week's episode, we're going to talk about the fact that President Biden is going to finally get a Supreme Court pick. And that pick is going to be an African-American jurist, an African-American judge. And I, for one, could not be more excited about it. If you know anything about me and my background, you know that I used to want to be the first black female Supreme Court justice. It will not be me, but I am very excited that it's going to be someone who looks like me, someone who's had similar life experiences to me, and someone who sees through the same lens of what it means to be a woman and a woman of color. That's an important perspective when you're dealing with all the things facing our Supreme Court and our country, and I'm excited about it. This is going to be a good episode. Let me know what you think. Have a great week. Welcome to the One America podcast. This is your host, Sophia Nelson, and happy last weekend of January. Um, If you can believe it, we are already through the first month of 2022. Um, Big news broke over the past week. Big, big news. Um, Longtime Supreme Court Justice, uh, Justice Stephen Breyer, who was appointed by President Bill Clinton in 1994, I was graduating law school, announced that he is retiring from the high court. He's 83 years old. He is a classic liberal on the court, one of only three left. If you look at many of the recent decisions, you can say that there's a 6-3 court, but it's really a 5-4 court with Justice Roberts being kind of the swing vote, the Scalia of the day. He is not the Sandra Day O'Connor of the day he is more of. So uh, Justice Roberts, who was hailed as a big conservative when George Walker Bush nominated him to be chief justice after William Rehnquist died, who was the then chief justice, um, has turned out to be somewhat of a squish, as they would call it. Uh, But I want to talk about that a little bit later The big news is, of course, is that President Joe Biden, uh, during the 2020 primaries, made a bold announcement in South Carolina when he was on the ropes, when he was struggling. He had lost New Hampshire. He had lost Iowa. And he needed something big to happen. And his longtime friend, Congressman Jim Clyburn, stepped up and said, I'm going to give you my endorsement and I'm going to save you in South Carolina. I'm going to make it a firewall but you're going to do something in return. And I expect you and want you to pledge that you will put a black woman on the Supreme Court. And that's exactly what Biden did in that debate. You all know the story. Um, The debate was almost over and Clyburn was there in the auditorium watching and Biden hadn't yet mentioned the pledge. And then he went back and kind of got in his face a little bit and said, hey, I want you to do this because if you want black women to support you, if you want a big turnout, you're going to need to do something provocative. Biden did it. Biden wins the election. And lo and behold, he has a Supreme Court pick. And so he has made clear that he is going to honor that pledge to uh, put a black woman finally on the nation's high court. Uh, He has excellent choices, uh, seven to 10 black females who are um, from various regions of our country, from California to South Carolina to Louisiana to other places, Uh, all of them already judges or jurists, deputy solicitor generals. Uh, during their law school years, editors of Law Review at Harvard, uh, all Ivy League except for Judge Childs, who's from South Carolina, who I think is going to be the pick because Clyburn wants her. And you saw uh, on the Sunday shows, Lindsey Graham actually gave a glowing and ringing endorsement of her, which means that there will be bipartisan support. I also think Judge Jackson, uh, who just got uh 
reconfirmed, if you will, to another judge position when she took Merrick Garland's seat uh, when he became attorney general. I think that she also gotten, you know, three Republican votes um, makes her a bipartisan choice as well. Now, I've got a lot to say about this, so sit with me, but I want to give you in case for some reason you were doing other things in life and you simply did not hear the news. I wanted to give you a little bit of backstory and context for what has happened and 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 why this story matters. Now, what has happened in the days since uh, the the seat came open, and um, you know all of us were scrambling to to see who potential nominees would be. Uh, those of us in the African American community, me, one of the biggest voices with my pen, I wrote a piece for the Grio right away the day that it happened, and then I have a new piece out for USA Today uh, here, and um, you should check it out. It's titled. Biden is right to make a historic Supreme Court nomination. Protests about qualifications are gross. Gross is one word. I can't use the words I really want to use. But the subtext to that is, is that over the past week, we've seen a lot of white men, a lot of conservative white men, a United States senator from Mississippi, why am I not surprised, and others make really disgusting, incendiary, racist comments about a woman who, by the way, hasn't been picked yet. We know she will be a black woman. We know she will be qualified. We know, of course, that because guess what? You don't get nominated to the Supreme Court without being qualified. Almost all the nominees, particularly in the last half of the 20th century and into this 21st century, have been judges. Elena Kagan is the only one who's different, but she was solicitor general. And so, um, Almost everybody comes from the bench. Almost everybody on the court right now, without exception, went to an Ivy League school, either law school or undergrad. And uh, that's why I like Judge Childs, because she's got a state college, both for her undergraduate and her law in South Carolina. And it would make her very unique, um, because I think she'd bring a different perspective as somebody like the rest of us who's regular and doesn't sit on Mount Olympus and didn't go to one of the great Ivy League schools with all their advantages and privileges that come with that. And I think it would be great to have somebody like that. But I want to get into this a little bit about why I think it matters that a black woman is finally getting her due and is going to be named to the Supreme Court. So I want to speak to the white men who listen to me for a second. Buckle up. You're not going to like me today, but you'll be okay because this is America and you guys are always saying how you don't like cancel culture and you don't like free speech being a bridge. So I'm going to give you a little free speech, okay? First of all, for any white man to get on television with a straight face and talk about quotas and affirmative action and lack of qualifications for the Supreme Court is laughable. I'm going to tell you why. Because from 1779, which is when we had the first Supreme Court, through now, there have been 115 justices. 115. Seven of those justices... Out of 115 from 1779 until now have been of color or female. All right. So out of 115, seven, two black men, Thurgood Marshall, the year I was born, 1967, Clarence Thomas, 1991, the year I started law school. And then, of course, Sandra Day O'Connor in 1981 is the first woman, Ruth Ginsburg, what, 93, 94, Bill Clinton, 
And then you had um, Justice Sotomayor, Obama, first Latina, and then Justice Kagan. And now you have Justice Amy Coney Barrett, Donald Trump. So I want those of you, again, who are so worried about quotas and so worried about qualifications to really sit and think about how ridiculous you sound, given what I just gave you. Those are facts. Those aren't feelings. So your entitlement says to you that the 108 white men who, by the way, from 1779 until until Thurgood Marshall was put on the court in 1967. That's my lifetime now. From 1779 until Thurgood Marshall was put on the court in 1967. The number one qualification that you had to have to be a Supreme Court justice was a white man. Let me say that again. The number one qualification you had to have was a white man because we didn't put black people on the Supreme Court until Lyndon Johnson put Thurgood Marshall on. We damn sure didn't put women on the Supreme Court until 1981 when Sandra Day O'Connor became a justice. So... I really want to talk about this because we're in a, a very ugly, unhealthy place here in America. And we're going to have guests on and we're going to go back to critical race theory. We're going to go back to all these laws about not making white children and white people and white parents and I guess whatever uncomfortable or cause them distress or discomfort when we talk about history. I can't even believe the utter ridiculousness. Of what we're doing. And, and, and whether we're trying to go back to the 1950s or the 40s or the 30s or the 1860s, I don't know. But I know we're headed in the wrong direction now. You'll get no argument from me that diversity, equity, and inclusion has in many cases gone way too far. And way too far in this way. That we have decided that and we agree that racism and sexism and homophobia and all those things are wrong, that we don't want them in our society, that they aren't the best of us. I would hope that we all agree with that. Now, of course, I know we all don't agree with that, but stick with me for a minute. And in deciding that, what we have done instead is instead of welcoming ideas and debate and discussion about how we think about things, the kind of society we want, why diversity is good or not good, why this or that, What we've done instead, we've imposed upon people a certain point of view that says, if you don't embrace my diversity and my equity and my inclusiveness, and if you don't embrace my gender identity, and if you don't embrace same-sex marriage, and if you don't embrace um, bathrooms that are gender neutral, and on and on and on and on and on, then you are a bigot. You are a racist. You should be banned. You should be removed. You have no place in society. We don't want to hear from you. We don't want to talk to you. We want you gone. That's wrong. Okay? Listen, um, I live here in the Commonwealth of Virginia. And a few years ago, there was a big debate, as you know, going on and raging about the Confederate flag and monuments. And it got ugly. We have active Ku Klux Klan that still on Martin Luther King Day puts flyers on lawns and comes out every once in a while and does what they do. And you know what? I find the Klan disgusting. They're foul. They're racist. They're evil. But you know what? I will defend 
their right to exist as an organization. I will defend their right to have protests and to say whatever the hell they want because I get to say what I want and I get to do what I think is right and I get to stand up and give an opposing view. Folks, America is hard. It is not an easy existence. That's why we're only 250 years old and that most of the world, which is a lot older than us, whether it's China, whether it is uh, Europe and other places, don't have the form of government that we do. Because our form of government of, by, and for the people requires you to really do some hard things. It requires you to actually respect other people's free thought, their free speech, their free living, their academic freedom when they're teaching, their First Amendment rights, their religious expression. That's the underpinning of who we are, and that's a good thing. But what we're doing is we're polarizing around the right over here and the left over here and the rest of us stuck in the middle not knowing what the hell's happening to our country and to our countrymen. And as I listen to people talk about with such disrespect and disregard to these women who, again, no one's been named yet. The president has promised he will do that by the end of February. And again, we kind of know who the shortlist is. The White House has kind of alluded to it. We haven't seen the official, but we kind of know who's going to be on it. And again, nobody in their right mind could argue that any of these women isn't qualified. They aren't good citizens. They aren't ethical human beings. Um, And they'll go under the same process that Justice Thomas did and Justice Kavanaugh did and Justice Coney Barrett did and others. And we, the people, will get to see who they are, how they think, and then they'll get an up or down vote. That's the way this works. But what bothered me was when I reflect on Sandra Day O'Connor and I go back to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the first and second woman on the court, Sandra Day O'Connor got a 99 to zero vote. And I believe Justice Ginsburg uh, had something very close. Was it maybe it was 97 or some abstentions or something? But my point is, Justice Scalia, who was very conservative, a strict constructionist, got a unanimous vote from both Republicans and Democrats. And do you know why? Because it was qualified. Whether you like his ideology isn't the issue, folks. That's not what we do. We don't or at least we should not treat people and judge people based on what their own political views might be or what their own opinions or what their faith view might be. We look at, are you qualified to do this job under the terms set forth in the Constitution? And those are pretty vague because the founders in their wisdom wanted to leave that choice to the president with the advice and consent of the Senate. And that will happen. But the disrespect accorded to these women was awful. And it continues with this real outrage from white men that somehow it's unfair and unequal that the president of the United States would want to put on the highest court in the country a jurist who looks like a population that is one of the largest populations in the country. We know that women is the majority of the country and black women would be right after white women in that number. So why wouldn't we have a place on the court? I was angry at President Obama, and I still am, for not putting a black woman on the court before he did a Latina. And I'll tell you why. Because black women voters put him in office, as they did Joe Biden and Bill Clinton before him. And I could keep going on and on and on. But thank God Joe Biden's going to do the right thing. And I really want you to hear this, folks. 
get off your soapbox, conservatives, because when Ronald Reagan said that he thought it was time for a woman to sit on the Supreme Court, not a damn one of you had a problem with that. You applauded. And you know what? You should have, because it was time for a woman to sit on. It was far past the time for a woman to sit on the court. And he did it. He campaigned on it. He talked about it. And then he nominated a woman and Sandra Day O'Connor was our first. Nobody went off on him. Nobody said she wasn't qualified. Nobody said any of the disgusting things you're saying about these black women because they're black. And somehow that means less than and somehow that means not qualified. And that's bullshit and it should stop. We're not having it. We're not having it. So this notion that somehow George Herbert Walker Bush, number 41, appointed Clarence Thomas because he was so brilliant or because he was the most qualified man for the job, is also poppycock. Because the reality is, is that Thurgood Marshall was retiring, and President George Herbert Walker Bush knew that he would have a serious problem on his hands if he gave the one black seat on the court held by the first black man to a white woman or to a white man. That would not have gone over well with the civil rights groups, and probably a lot of people in the country would have thought that wasn't right. So he put Clarence Thomas on again. Do you think he was the most qualified? He wasn't. Do you think he was the smartest? He wasn't. So again, none of you had anything to say about that, but you jump all over this nominee and we don't even know who she is yet. So I'm going to end with this. I want you to go to my piece. I want you to read it, share it, comment on it, talk about it. But I want you to understand that in the history of this country, when white men from 1779 up until black men got the right to vote with the 15th Amendment, which is after slavery, black men, not black women, white men were the only people who ran our government, who ran all our institutions, who sat on our courts, who were senators, who were congressmen, who were presidents. That's it. Affirmative action for white men is the oldest affirmative action on the books. Legacy admits to the Ivy League schools, legacy jobs, legacy money, you name it, white male. So how dare you, you undeserving many of you. I've worked with some of the most incompetent, dumb, unbelievably stupid and incapable white men you'd ever want to meet. Yet I've watched them be promoted. I've watched them be given more, not less, when they've done things, some literally broken laws. And yet they were taken care of. They were given second chances. Oh, well, he didn't mean it. Or, oh, he's just a young man then. We don't get that as black women. Ever. We have to work twice as hard. We have to be twice as good. And we have to grin and smile while it's being done to us. And while we're not enjoying the process at all. Because we know that unlike Justice Kavanaugh, we can't throw a tantrum and we can't cry and we can't snot and we can't talk disrespectfully to a United States senator who asks a question about our drinking when drinking is a legitimate concern and an accusation of sexual assault. We could never be allowed to do it. We would be escorted out of the room. We would be told that we didn't have the proper temperament, that we weren't fit so please stop it because nobody's buying it. And if you, you keep doing this stuff and you don't know your history and you forget that on our United States Supreme Court sat a man named Justice Hugo Black. He was in the Klan. 
Can I say that again? Justice Hugo Black was a member of the Ku Klux Klan. Yet, President Roosevelt put him on the nation's high court. This is not made up. We have had slave owners on the court. We've had open racist on the court, hidden racist, all white, all male, by the way. So again, where's this privilege? Where's this affirmative action and who has it? I really think some of you should start thinking before you talk because you look ridiculous. Because any fair reading of history, any objective reading of history backs up everything I've just said to you. It's all there. It's not made up. White men had all the levers of power. They still do. But now this court will have four women when this new justice gets sworn in. Four women out of nine, which is 40%. And men will be 60%. And there will be a man of color and you'll have three people of color, which will be 30%. And that's what America should look like. We are at our best when we've got conservatives, liberals, black, white, male, female. Absolutely true. I believe that and I agree with it. But we're headed down a dark path here. We're not doing the right things. We are so focused on who's right and who's wrong and why that we're losing the greatness of this experiment that Justice Breyer talked about. And America still is a great experiment. So I'm team black female justice. Don't come on my timeline. Don't try to talk crazy. Don't call me names. Just shut up. I'm going to block you because I don't want to hear it from you because you don't know what you're talking about. And we're tired. And all this talk about, you know, not teaching accurate history and banning books when you won't ban assault weapons. And I'm saying this as a gun owner, person who's a member of a gun club, who believes in the Second Amendment and practices what it gives us as our right. But enough is enough. You want to ban books, but you don't want to ban guns. Think about that. You want to ban books to talk about even so far as the Holocaust with the book Mouse and it being banned. And it is a book that has been used for a very long time to help children understand the horrors of the Holocaust using mice and using <clears throat> the, 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 a way that a child can process something that terrible so that they understand what happened and why it should never happen. And kids are smarter than we give them credit for, folks. They are. They get it. And the problem is the adults in the room, us. So I'm done now. Tucker Carlson isn't even worth my oxygen. I just refuse to talk about him. Um, but yes, I'm excited about this. I look forward to it. I did a lot of TV last week, Morning Joe, CNN. I'll probably do more this week as I'm able. But um, I'm looking forward to this confirmation. And my last word on this is to the Republicans. Let me tell you something. You do yourself a disservice and you do the legacy of your great party, your once great party, a disservice. This justice is not going to tip the balance. She is going to replace a liberal. She'll probably be a liberal. Let the president have his pick. It doesn't matter. You're not going to get a conservative. That's not going to happen. You're, you're, you're probably not going to get the centrist that you might like. You might. But the reality is, is that... You need to support this nominee because she will be qualified. She will meet all the thresholds that you hold dear. And you need to vet her, of course. You need to treat her with respect. But you need to give her the same bipartisan support that all historic nominees get. Justice Sotomayor got that support. And this justice should get it too. And I just want you to think about what you're doing to the long-term soul of the country. 
when you pick fights like this that are just not necessary to pick. So without further ado, I'm going to wish you a great week. Uh, We will start with guests in February. Um, Now that I've survived January, which has been painful, um, survived mom's 75th birthday party, the retirement party, my birthday, my grandmom's 92nd birthday, book edits, book stuff. I'm glad January's leaving. Trust me. I look forward to it and we will talk soon. Have a great week.